welcome on in to Adam's Plus One, where the plus one is really just a, is a star of the show. I'm just here to make sure we somewhat stay on on track, and we got Luke in today. Yes, sir. How are you doing, Luke? Uh, not too bad, you know, middle of the week, Wednesday, feeling good, ready for Friday. Haven't forgot about Monday. <laughs> Typical midweek stuff. Well, Luke, I would love to give you an introduction, but I'll pass that to you. Why don't you introduce yourself to my listeners? Yeah, my name is Luke Hendrickson. I uh, just graduated from college in May. I uh, work in the financial field with Adam. I'm a transaction advisory services consultant, otherwise known as M&A, Mergers and Acquisitions. The title sounds a lot fancier than what we actually do. But yeah, just working, hanging out, going on podcasts. Now you are. And so actually, I really appreciate you showing up tonight because I'm not going to lie, man. I was driving here mm-hmm. and I was thinking, what if he pulls a leg day and doesn't show up? You know what I mean? Like, what, what do I do? Do I have Yash come on the show? Like, do I got to call hey. an alternate? Because I've hey. never had to plan for this because you're my first episode. It's not my fault that the days I skip just happen to be leg day. It's not planned. It's not a coincidence? No, it's not. No, it is a coincidence. It is, <laughs> it is a coincidence. Well, great. Good, good, good stuff. Good to have you on, man. I'm, I'm super pumped. To, we have a lot to dig into and... Honestly, I know it's Wednesday and I know it's a few days have passed, but maybe that's even better because you have more time to think about it. I am dying to hear your reaction to the Super Bowl. So please, what is your initial reaction to what you witnessed Sunday night? Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes down 10 at halftime. How does he do it? He scores every single drive he gets the ball. Every single drive. Every single drive. Comes away with the win. He's the first player since 1999 to win the Super Bowl Super Bowl, and win the regular season MVP. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pretty amazing stuff, but... That's my that's my buildup of the game. What was your biggest reaction? And isn't he the first player to win after leading the league in passing yards? Too? He is the first person to lead. And they're the first team, right? They're the first team that had the number one offense in the uh-huh. Super Bowl versus the number one defense. That's crazy. And win. That's never happened before. No, I don't know if the Eagles had the true number one defense. I maybe <laughs> would give that to San Francisco. I mean, Eagles had, you know, kind of a cakewalk. But, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot of reaction to be had after that game. I thought it was a great game. You know, regardless of the ending, you still can't take away the other 58 minutes. Great game. Sucks that it had to end the way that it did. Full disclosure, I was pulling for the Eagles. I got coworkers that, you know, live in Philly. I, um, you know, I, I feel like the Chiefs have taken on the mantle as the new Patriots, the new New England, the team that's, you know, always there, always winning. So they're kind of the team to... What about this, though? What about... I see the Patriots, but the way they play is fun. They kind of remind me more of like the the Warriors of the NFL. Oh my God! I sure. think that's a better comparison. Play style, they couldn't be more different than the Patriots. Right. You know, that's and, why you know Patrick Mahomes has that that face that kind of reminds me of like Steph Curry. Yeah, and the play style too, right? Mm-hmm. And the Warriors are always that third quarter comeback team, right? And I feel you know that's where the Chiefs live too. Well, because the Chiefs almost play like it is basketball, because everyone knows basketball is a game of runs, right? And you know, unless the lead is anything crazy, you know. People can come back in basketball. And it always feels that way with the Chiefs. They can score so quickly. And that's what we saw in the Super Bowl. We saw them. They scored on every single drive that they needed to. They came out, even though they were down, what, 10 at half, they had felt like all the momentum after halftime. And they just showed up. And the Eagles fell apart, whether it was them playing safe or whether... Why do you think think when we say the Eagles fell apart? Because they're... They, they were the number one defense. They have all the, I mean, realistically, a lot of people say they had the, bet, the most better players on their team. Like they had mm-hmm. better players on their team right. from top to bottom. More complete roster. More complete roster. Right, right. Why do you think they fell apart? Like one reason, number one reason, what is it? Coaching, well, what was it? Number one has got to be coaching. I mean, uh, Gannon, I don't know I don't know how long he's been a coordinator in the league. Is this his second year came in with Sirianni? I think you're right. I mean, when you have a second year potentially Just got hired. Just Dude. got hired, Arizona. Shot Sounds like they just wanted to take someone yeah. in that they can get rid of next someone, year. <laughs> no, someone that agreed to work with Kyler. No, right, right. Kyler gets a bad rap. I don't think Kyler's as bad as everyone says he is. But um, no, I think it was a story of that defense, that young coordinator versus probably the second best head coach of all time, Andy Reid, one of the best, if not the best offensive mind in the league uh, in history. He can find weaknesses and he exploited them obviously we saw the three final three touchdowns that the Chiefs scored were all in the same uh same type of play same type of formation they ran they found a weakness they found a you know clink in the armor and they just exposed it 
And I think a big thing also came in the uh, lack of pass rush for the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, to have zero sacks, you have the number one, you have the most sacks in the league in, since the 85 Bears, right? right. They had yeah, the most sacks in They're the compar- They compared them to the 85 Bears, no, but that didn't look like the 85 Bears, right? No, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, no, I just think they just couldn't hang in there. The Chiefs were too high-powered. My takeaway was that you've got, I told you going into the game that the game, the Super Bowl was decided on AFC and NFC Championship weekend. Mm-hmm. The winner of the Bengals and the Chiefs won, was going to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And to flip them, you can compare them side by side. In the Super Bowl, we'll start with, the Chiefs take the Chiefs fall down early yeah. to the Eagles. They come back, mm-hmm. storm back, they win. Go to the AFC game, AFC title game. At halftime, was it a 10-point game? Wasn't it a 13-3, I believe? It was a 10-point yeah. game at halftime. And then the Bengals storm back. They outscored the Chiefs in the yeah. second half. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, if we remember, the you know, Joe Burrow had the ball. Mm-hmm. He converts that big third and 18 yeah. deep in his own red zone. And they're driving. And at that moment, you were thinking, man. The Bengals came out, won the second half. They're going to win this game. They're going to kick a a walkaway field goal, Mm -hmm. go to the Super Bowl. So I always felt, in my opinion, and that was in the Chiefs building, Mm -hmm. I felt if the Bengals played the Eagles two weeks later and their offensive line was healthy, they would have won that game or Mm -hmm. the Chiefs. Really? Not to take anything away from the Eagles. I just thought those were the two best teams in the NFL. And the AFC is clearly more superior to the NFC. And I think think that hurt the Eagles going into the game because they had a cakewalk. They had been battle-tested. Yeah. And I mean, we mentioned this before, you know, it seems like the NFC was the Big Ten, you know, college football. That was a great example. They, uh, you know, tough defense, well, so-called tough defense, good run game, you know, just kind of scrappy, maybe not super high scoring, but, you know, tough teams, cold weather teams. Whereas the, uh, the AFC, they just seemed like pure SEC football, high powered, high scoring. That's a good uh, point. Seemed as, you know, the SEC is known for being as pro ready players as as they're You're getting be. that top top tier play right, style right. right and that's just just how it feels when you watch Definitely. not that the eagles i mean the eagles and the 49ers i think they could fit if they were in the the afc we would be we would have no problem grouping them with, in with that group because they are so good the yeah. eagles and the uh 49ers but the rest of the nfc is just There's a it's weak gap. yeah yeah it starts with the quarterback play i think so let's transition away from the super bowl but before we completely pivot away quickly what teams, what two teams, one team from each each conference, who's most likely to go back next year? What do you got next year? Just quickly, you know, nothing. Well, if you had to guess next year, who's going to be in the Super Bowl? See, I came in with a point ready to say that the Chiefs were somehow underrated in this game. You know, the Chiefs, it's almost like people get tired of talking about how, they, how good they are. So they pick the, uh, the cool team, the flashy to, team, to, the flashy team to make the Super we Bowl. We talked about the LeBron effect. Yeah, exactly, That's what it feels exactly. like. Exactly. But I'm going to do that same exact thing. Right here. <laughs> I'm not going to follow my own advice. Oh, that's funny. I think the Bengals make it over the hump again next year. I think it's going to be a Bengals 49ers Super Bowl. Very nice. And I think it's going to be a Bengals uh, Jaguars AFC Championship. Bengals for you. Okay. I will give my quick take. I think next year AFC will be it'll be the Bengals and the Chargers. I think that addition of Kellen Moore is going to pay dividends. They're going to have an identity offense. Yeah, they're going to. I think it's going to be difficult for the Chiefs to go back to back. Very difficult for them to do. So on the on the AFC side, I have that. I would would not be surprised if it's the Bengals. So we'll go Bengals. NFC side, that's tough because free agency in the NFC is way more important at the quarterback position. Yeah, but if you look at it right now, I'm going to say something I cannot believe I've ever said. Mm-hmm. I think, I think we're going to see a, a year where the Cowboys make it to the Super no. Bowl next year. I think everything's going to line up, and I think I see you think the Cowboys are going to break Mike through. Mike McCarthy, that's going to be an upgrade over I know. Kellen Moore. I think I think they're going to get it done. They got Shadi as uh, as offensive coordinator now. So much pressure over there for one year, just to get it done. Yeah. And I, I really believe in Mike Parsons. So there's our football talk on the NFL. But let's transition. Uh, thank you guys for listening. All my listeners were were here with Luke Hendrickson, first podcast ever. Got one of my best friends on here with me. A very knowledgeable football guy. Mm-hmm. But let's transition into your professional life, Luke. I know you talked about that you're you're working at uh, at Whipfley mm-hmm. in the Taz Group, mm-hmm. M&A. Mm-hmm. But let's take one step back. Talk me through what the transition was like going from college right. to working life. Because how old are you? 22. 22, right? That, I think that's something that anyone listening can most likely relate to. We all know what it's like, whether you left high school and got a full-time job or you went to college and mm-hmm. you got a full-time job, it's a transition. Take me through what this last year has been like in that transition. What stood out to you? Right. I mean, 
I think the biggest thing is college, you think as you're getting your degree prepares you, you know exactly what to expect coming out of college, you know, your professional life. You think, oh, I've been in clubs, I've dealt with classes, I've uh, handled multiple priorities at once. I know what work is going to be like. I know what being in a professional setting is going to be like. And it's, it's not, it, it did not prepare me that well at all. I mean, if you, if, if college could prepare you better, what's the, maybe what are a few things you think, Hey, in the education system, focus, is there anything they could do? Focus way more on technical skills. And I mean like Excel, different computer programs, different software systems, just, uh, learning the technical skills because knowledge in a lot of cases, you can learn on the job. If you, sh if you have a good mentor and a good trainer and someone that you can shadow, you can learn a lot of things on the job. But technical skills, that shortens the or that steepens the uh, learning curve so much because you don't have to waste all that time just learning how to get the foundational stuff going. You don't, know, you don't have to take two months to learn how to use Excel properly or right. how to make a good PowerPoint or how to read a certain software. If you can get that out of the way in college, then that just sets you up to start hit the hit the road running right. um, when you start your job. So I think if and, you know, maybe that was me. Maybe I could have done more no, in college. And no, I probably it, didn't do as much as I probably should. For have. sure. It's like it's like the old adage of you can always go a little bit further, but you're doing what you need to do to get the college right. degree. Right. 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 No. And, and that can be difficult. And so I, I agree for me in college. They actually started implementing it because we're both, you were finance degree. Just finance, yeah. And I doubled finance and accounting. Mm -hmm. But for, for my degree in the plan, in the, in the university at St. Louis University, the professors made a heavy push on making us do Excel-focused mm -hmm. projects because right. they knew they were getting a lot of feedback mm -hmm. from firms, all the firms, probably the big four, I'd right. imagine, right, that are coming to the career fair and saying, hey, you have really great candidates mm -hmm. coming out, but they lack the technical, like Excel skills, right. And so they started kind of drilling that, which we could talk about that. We yeah. we live we live in Excel, right, Luke? Tell yeah. tell the workers, oh, at, tell we, the people at home how much we work in I Excel. I mean, if you go in finance <laughs> or accounting, really, your your day to day is really Excel. And I think that's not really what I wanted coming out. I think ideally, I thought of finance as like a little bit of Excel and a lot of like people people business, a lot of people talking talking to clients. And what what client is it has been? What has it really been? It's been just. Excel, you know, we're just numbers and looking at different formulas and stuff like that. And I mean, there's a conceptual reason for it. Like there's a overall framework as to why you're doing what you're doing and it relates to clients. But, you know, the day to day is, is pretty much Excel. And that's what I'm saying. Like if people are going to go in this field, one, they should know what to expect. And two, they should have the skills to do so. Be a little more prepared. Right. Do you even think people like realistically? Do you think it's a very necessary, like if you went back, do you think you could, do you think it was important for you to go to college? Like, are you, not are you happy you went, but was it right. vital for your future success to go to college? What do you think? In the line of work that we do, if I were to continue with this for the rest of my career, I would say yes, because I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of fine details that, like just conceptually, you have to know about like, um, you know, just how finances work in a company. Yeah, like how, I mean, for example, like the balance sheet. Right. Balance the, sheet, income the statement, income cash, statement, flow, cash flow, that, you know? And I think, I mean, it's college makes it easier, I guess, because it puts it puts you in a classroom to learn those things. Forget about forget about the career. Forget about working at the firm you mm -hmm. work at. I for your success in life. Right. Whatever that is, what however you conceptual however you quantify that. Do you think you needed a college degree? And 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 I, I mean it, like are you happy you have it and do you think you needed it to be successful long term? Need it? No. But did it offer significant benefits? Yes. Not in the sense of textbook or my, like my class knowledge, but because of how you learn to interact with other people and whether that's how you learn to interact in in-groups and out-groups, how you learn to interact navigating a place that you don't know, yeah. getting out of your comfort zone, um, just different things. And obviously, I don't think there's anything that is you have to be required to go to college. Like, I don't think, did I need to go to college to learn those things? No. I mean, I think that's different if you're going to be a lawyer or an engineer or a surgeon, you know, I would hope, <laughs> I, would, I would hope my doctor isn't learning on the job, but 
Um, but in residency, I have friends in residency. Right, a lot right. Of it, a lot and of it and they probably learn more in residency than they do in their first. They scale them up, years. right? You, you come in as a med right. student, then you come in as a residency. Mm-hmm. You might be watching, you might be yeah. holding something. Next thing you know, you're doing it. Right. And someone's telling you how to do it. And right. then that person's no longer there watching you. They're in the room next door. Right. There's a nice crawl, walk, run phase. Yeah. And I, I wish th- it was like that in our field. I, I, I do <laughs> wish it was like that because I think that is what's missing. And I think if college was able to be the crawl, um, then you could at least start the walk and the run. You're in the womb in college yeah, for yeah, the way that's set are, up, unfortunately. Yeah. And come it out, is come yeah. out a baby deer, not knowing how to walk. And, right. and it's, um, it's tough. It's an adjustment. And I think, uh, you know, we're getting there we're getting in 10 there. years. What do you see yourself doing? If, if you had closed your eyes right now and said, Hey, I call you in 10 years, what year is it? 2023. I call mm-hmm. you in 10 years. Mm-hmm. So 33, if I do my math is right. 2033. Right. And say, Hey Luke, how's it going? What are you up to these days? If you had to roll the dice right now, mm-hmm. what would you like to be doing? What I like to be doing? I would like to have at least 50% of my income come from outside my job, my career, okay. whether that's a side business, investments, rental properties, different things. I don't want to be solely reliant. Tell me about, tell me about rental properties. I know your mom's a real estate agent, right? Mm-hmm. Realtor. What, what is that? Has that impacted the way you view that? Or? Oh, yeah. I mean, just because I think they kind of have gone through it's, it's just like having a parent with anything else that has gone through experiences that you're about to go through they've right. gone through the growing pains and well i mean you know someone can tell you as much about let's say high school for example as they can you still have to experience it you can't like just because someone tells you about how something is doesn't mean you you'll lose out on all like the growing pains you have to experience it and go through it yourself you have to start your own podcast but, and know what the what the hell you yeah. got to do to get a podcast going but, and i'm lucky to have a great guy like yash with yes. a nice studio shout out yash, shout shout out yash, yash over here doing all the technical stuff behind uh-huh. the scenes but um just having someone with that knowledge base of you know the ins and outs especially because she is also a realtor but not only that but she's gone through the buying process of a rental property going right. through the decision making process what what makes a good property how do you deal with tenants how do you pick out a good tenant how do you uh, do all these things that otherwise because see i have a theory right mm-hmm. i have a theory that in my my best friend andrew eck my other best friend don't get mad at me i have another best friend <laughs> luke and i also lift weights no together so i don't want him to drop a dumbbell on me but but andrew he's a doctor right yeah. he's a surgeon mm-hmm. down in texas and and we always talked about this and we still do we, re- we reflect on it often mm-hmm. If you grew up in a household and your parents were both doctors, right. okay, the idea of becoming a doctor is super attainable right? because you see your parents doing right. it. If you grew up in a household and your mom's a realtor mm-hmm. and that's how she has a career, mm-hmm. it's possible. Right. Myself, I grew up in a household where nobody had college education, right? Right. So that the hurdle for me was how do I do that? I want to mm-hmm. be, a, I, I value my education. Right. I'm happy to get it. But when you don't have someone that you look to and say that they did it, mm-hmm. they did it. Same with Andrew becoming a doctor, mm-hmm. right? No one in his family has ever become a doctor. Right. And so you had to just, first of all, sell yourself on yeah. becoming that. Whereas some of the kids you're going to school with, mm-hmm. for him, for being a doctor, their parents are doctors. Right. That's a hurdle in itself, right? So I think living with, you know, growing up with a mom that has that type of income coming in or that business set up. Right. I think, it, talk about how that, that helped you maybe and I mean, well, realize I, it. I compare it to, you know, let's say there's a snowstorm, right? right. Snow is four feet of snow. You got to walk through the snow anyway. Is it easier to walk through the snow if there's footprints of someone that's already walked in front of you? Or is it harder if there's no footprints and you got to find your own path? You know, you still got to walk through the snow regardless, but it's just a little bit easier. You have a little bit more direction on where to go. And it's, it's the same thing. I mean... Buying, if I were to buy a rental property, I would still have to walk through the snow. I'd still have some problems and some challenges that I would have to face, but uh, it, it's just that much easier because I know someone directly in my life that has gone through that same thing. Yeah, that's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. And and honestly, I'm, I also know Luke's mom for my listeners. And I was going through the, I was looking at a house recently and just having your mom in my circle. Mm-hmm. I forgot what it was. I did. I needed to get a test. Radon test. Radon test. Yeah, radon Your test. mom calls me yeah. and she she hooks me up with a person in town that does it for seventy five dollars or whatever it was, and like that totally is just a huge benefit. Yeah, the, the, the footprint's already there. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, let's shift away from uh, from your from your profession and let's dive back into football. Yes. Because to my listeners at home. Uh, again, you're listening to Adams Plus One, first podcast ever. Super excited. We got Luke here. He's a huge Bears fan, as I, as am I. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of Chicago Bears love mm-hmm. here. You got a lot of football love. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, first of all, I've never asked you this question. How long have you been a Bears fan? Bro, my whole life. I like, mean, what's your, okay, here, here. What's your first memory of being a Bears fan? And like, what was the first season you really <laughs> like paid attention and you could understand? 
Do you, do you remember? It's it's bits and pieces. I mean, a lot of pain because that's what being a, a Chicago Bears fan is. I know. I just I remember my dad not being happy watching them. So I remember that. Um, I don't know why, but I specifically remember a game a long time ago. I don't know the season. I don't know the score. I don't know the year. It was Bears 49ers. I believe it was it was at home. Super low scoring game. I think I want to say it was like 10-6. And I remember thinking, wow, I don't know how anyone watches this. This is so boring. But I watched the next next week with my dad and the next week and the next week. And I just slowly, I mean, you don't even think about it. It's it's just something always that's on. And then you get older and you realize, oh, there's more to it. There's yeah. there's more to there's more to enjoy out of it. And you, then you go from being, you know, a casual fan, which I mean, I'm probably, I'm still a casual, but at a deeper level. So. He, he is not a casual fan. This guy walks in the gym and he's quizzing me on what happened over Sunday. And, you know, trust me, listeners, he knows, he knows his football. My first memory is, is actually, I can still remember it. I was at my, I was at my grandparents' house, right? Mm-hmm. We're watching the game. I've never watched a football game in my life. Mm-hmm. It's 2000 or 2001. And the Bears are playing the Browns. Mm-hmm. The Bears are down twenty-one to zero or twenty-eight to seven. They're okay. down by twenty-one points going into the fourth quarter. Right, pretty bad when you're down to the Browns mm-hmm. at that point in time. And my my grandfather, huge Bears fan, his sister, my aunt at the time, or my great aunt actually, um, says to him, "The Bears are going to win this game." Mm-hmm. And we're all like, "I don't know anything." I'm like, "I don't know, dude. I don't know much. I'm a kid, but that doesn't look like a good score." <laughs> yeah. So the Bears score. This is Brian Urlacher's rookie year or second year in the league. The Bears score. It's they're down 14. They score again. They throw a Hail Mary at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. They score. They go to overtime. Okay. First defensive player, first series on defense. Brian Urlacher, they throw a ball over the middle, tips it up. Mm-hmm. Mike Brown picks it, runs it into the end zone, walk-off touchdown. He runs up the tunnel. That's awesome. Every time the Bears scored, that house got louder and louder. It was shaking, right? And I'll never forget thinking, this is the most amazing feeling. That The momentum. like To, to experience a momentum shift in right. a game when you're a kid and you can totally understand yeah. it. Watched the rest of that season, and that was the year Brady won his first Super Bowl. Okay. So I've been hooked since so then, man. That also developed your uh, Brady fandom. That, then, huh? And the Bears, got they got eliminated from the playoffs by your Eagles that year. This guy's, Donovan mis- this guy's Mr. TB12 over here. <laughs> I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. Maybe we'll have him on someday. You know. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a lot of time now. He's retired. You think he'll retire in Chicago? You think he'll come to Chicago in retirement, I mean? Probably not. No. no you're, probably right. you're probably right. Okay, so. so nah, next, yeah, go ahead. I mean. With the Bears, there's, did you see today? Actually, I no, just saw they closed on the Arlington Heights property, so, so they are officially official. officially the owners of that property. Oh yeah. wow! You did say that it was February was when they were looking at. Yeah, they said that. late Q4 2022, early Q1 2023. So, why don't you tell the listeners if they don't know what what you're talking about? So the Bears have always played at Soldier Field, right? Well, for the last I don't know how many years they played at Wrigley a long time ago, but for they the last did, yeah. how many years? I think they, in the 80s or 70s right, they right. built Soldier. Yeah. They did some renovations in 2000. Right, right. Soldier Field is terrible. Beautiful location right on the lakefront. You know, I got the skyline right there. The stadium, terrible. Junk. Smallest capacity in the NFL. Looks really bad since the renovations. And just outdated. Um, it's not fitting for a You can't modern, host a Super Bowl there. I can't host a Super Bowl. Can't yeah. host anything in the wintertime, really. The Bears don't own the stadium. They don't own the stadium. What, is impact, what impact does that do to the team? Well, the Bears... The ownership isn't going to stay as ownership forever. They're going to sell the team, right? And what is the best way to increase the value of already, even without owning a stadium, the what, number four or five, or maybe like they're six in, or seven, somewhere. There, yeah. One of the highest valued NFL teams in the, in the NFL, and they don't even own their stadium yet. So what makes sense to do if you're looking to sell your team in the next you know, 10 years? You obviously want to build a stadium. Yeah, you own it. That increases the value by at least a billion dollars. Yeah. So it increases the value. And if you're a potential buyer, do you want to buy the team and then have to build a stadium? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you rather buy a team exactly. and be like, well, this thing is five years old or whatever? Well, two years the, old. the thing is about that, they just bought Arlington Heights, right? It's our Arlington Park, which is in Arlington Heights. Huge property, like 320 acres, right? They own the rights not only to build a stadium there, but potentially a whole surrounding area. They could build, you know, parks, shops, all sorts of stuff. And they right. ha- they have plans that they've released already. But uh, that's just, that's a huge, huge value. And 
people can still say, oh, well, are they, are they going to do it or not? I mean, the answer, who did they just hire as president and CEO of the Bears? They hired Kevin, Kevin Warren. Warren. Why? Well, obviously, he is very, he's very qualified for the job. But a big help is that he built the Minnesota Viking Stadium, what, in 2016, 17? Yep. Or was it 15, 16? Somewhere around there. Right he, before he went he, to Big Ten. Yeah, he led the charge and led the development of the Minnesota Viking Stadium, which is regarded as one of the best in the NFL. Beautiful stadium. I've never been able to go there, but it uh, looks pretty cool. Looks, and, pretty, um, looks really nice. They've already said they want to do a dome enclosed stadium and they like the idea of that natural light coming in like uh, the Viking stadium. I think that'd be awesome. I think it'd be great. I also think it'd be nice to, for us, we're yeah. not, we don't live out, live out in the city, right. but it'd be nice to, it'd be easier to go to a game. Well, I mean, Arlington Heights, the train goes right. It would be right next to the stadium. You'd get off right at the, yeah. right at the property. Yeah. Parking the yeah. issue because you go down to see a bears game and then you got to park somewhere and then you got to walk all the way right. over to their stadium right. and it's cold as hell. Mm-hmm. Right. Not and, worth it to this old junkie stadium. Justin Fields just said on uh, part of my take, I just I just listened to that this morning. He said uh, he doesn't care whether it's Soldier Field, Arlington Ice, doesn't matter to him as long as it's a dome. And that's just the way the NFL works now. It's an it's a offensive league. Exactly. And I'm happy you brought up Justin Fields because we can transition to mm-hmm. a big question I have for you. You're a big Bears fan. You're, yeah. you're in the know. What would you like to see them do in the free agency? Yeah. In the draft? Right. High high level. What do you what do you want to see done when they are done with the draft and we're wrapped up with with the draft and we're heading towards training camp? Mm-hmm. You want to be able to say the Bears did this, this, and this. What is that? What does that look like to you as a Bears? <laughs> well, hopefully not trade Justin Fields. Which I don't. <laughs> I don't think they do. I don't, I don't think they will. I mean, put up as many smoke screens as possible. Convince right. people that you want to trade him. I just saw a reporter actually say he left the Senior Bowl, and a GM told him that he would be very shocked if the Bears didn't trade Justin Fields. Now, I think that is a beautiful smokescreen. I think there's no way that actually happens. But if you're convincing other GMs that that's going to happen, the value of the number one pick is, is astronomical. I think the Colts are very desperate. Yeah. Because what's their GM's name? I can't think of his name. Ballard. Ballard is tired of these yeah. old quarterbacks, and they're at a position where the, the team with the number one pick is mm-hmm. willing to deal. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm expecting the Texans and the Colts to really battle it out. Did you just see what uh, the Colts owner said yesterday in the press conference? He said, the, I, no, no, tell me, he what he said, said, tell me what he said. He said, and I think Chris Ballard is about to kill him. He said, whether that's, uh, or he said they need to get, a, they understand that they need to get a young quarterback and develop him, which is part of the reason why they brought in Shane Steichen as head coach. And, uh, and he also mentioned that that kid from Alabama looks really good and talking about Bryce Young. So, right, right. I mean, Ballard gave him a look right away, but I mean, there's already, I mean, in negotiations with the Bears, Ryan Poles, all he has to say is, hey, your owner loves him. He, he plays his cards right. He trades back with the Texans, then he trades back with the Colts. Right. We draft around five or six. Mm-hmm. We take the best edge rusher available. Right. Best player available. Right. I mean, ideally. Did you see NFL.com came out with a, uh, a projection? Mm-hmm. They have the Bears doing what I basically just said. Yeah. And then in the end of the first round, trading back in with the Chiefs, picking up the receiver from TCU, right? No, right. uh, uh, Johnston. Is which Johnston? I, I hope to God it's not Johnston. I mean, I'm not. I'm by no means a draft analyst. I think he's going to be. I think he reminds me of uh, Kevin White. You don't remember when the oh, drafted man. Kevin White from, from Virginia, dude? The guy played like two years. Like, like I think he maybe in his three or four years played like two games. Right. He suited up. Yeah, he made a nice catch in one game. Got yeah. injured when yeah. he finally came back from injury. Um, That's no, our luck. I mean, ideally, I think the Bears. What I would hope for. What I do would you think? They get two picks in this draft and at least one first round pick next year. Okay. I hope they leave. They get two first round selections this year. Okay. One pick next year. What type of players are they taking in this year's draft? Like, what do you? We got to get this, this, and this. We have to get first off, build the trenches because okay. we got scrubs. No offense. <laughs> we got. A lot I think. Of I think there's some talent there. Some depth. Some guys that would be great in depth, but in terms of blue chip players, we don't have many. Tevin Jenkins is looking like he could be a solid. Solid piece in the future. Braxton Jones, I mean, for a fifth round rookie, he's played. Yeah, we have two great. decent guys, right? Yeah, but I mean, nothing, nothing really, you know, sustainable. Yeah, if they're going to trade back with the Chiefs, I would like to see them take the best offensive lineman available. Really? If you take, if you take a defense, okay. Well, the first thing that matters is in free agency. What do you get there? Yeah, because we got a com- combo. Yeah, I mean, th- and that's that matters. So the free agency, ideally, you're you're very active before the draft, and you that be. that sets you up for the draft because. I don't think if anyone that's listening doesn't pay attention to football, but you like the Bears, but you don't pay attention in depth like us nerds. The Bears have the most cap space in the NFL mm-hmm. this year, mm-hmm. 
and it's a franchise that's notoriously cheap, mm-hmm. but we're hoping they spend some money. They have a f- like what around ninety-two million dollars in million cap space. Dollars. They have the number one overall pick, which they got from an absolute miracle. Um, Thanks. Shout out, Lovey Smith. Shout out, Lovey Smith. Appreciate your lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just hope they're active. You I know f- what happened, right? Lovey Smith. They told him before the game. They said, "Hey, Lovey, we like what you did for us. We really do. We appreciate uh-huh. you. you. You've had a great one one year. Mm-hmm. We're going to fire you after this game." Yep. And he said, "Okay, all right, fuck you." He went out there and he said, "They said, hey, coach, we need to lose this game mm-hmm. so we get the first pick." Right. And he said, "Okay, right." He said, "Oh, end of the game, we'll go for two and win, and the Bears right. get the first pick." Yeah. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I've heard um, people say, you know, players and coaches don't tank, but organizations organizations do. do. Organizations do. So. Plus, I don't think if you know he's about to leave, right. I don't know if they told him they were going to fire right. him. They might have told him they were going to fire him. Yeah. They probably told him that, but you can't tell him a guy that you're about to fire that you want him to tank because he's going to be pissed. Right. And yeah. then he's going to turn around and be like kind of the whole Brian Flores situation right. or whatever was going on. Right. So really, ideally we build the offensive line, hopefully in free agency. Right. Because I think offensive line is much more deep in the draft than like a great edge rusher or um, D tackle. I think there's, I mean, I think it's a good draft overall for those positions, but I think uh, you get a top tier defensive lineman and you get a wide receiver in the first two rounds. That's what, I, that's what I'm hoping for. I like that. I'm with that. I'm with that. All right. We've talked a lot about the Bears. We could probably do three hours on the Bears, to be honest with you. <laughs> I could talk all day. But honestly, this. man, this is the first year in a few years that I'm so excited for the free agency right. because we have so much money. We have so much money, and it's not— And that's coming I up. To, I used to dread a free agency because I knew that we would, get, we would get roasted for the things that we do, bringing in Andy Dalton, bringing in <laughs> Nick no, Foles. No. And, Who is the quarterback— uh, who is that quarterback? The long neck. Uh, Mike Glennon. Remember that? Glennon that fucking giraffe. <laughs> that giraffe. <laughs> the draft and then that. Yeah. It was, yeah. Tor- it was terrible. Yeah. We, we are scarred as bear fans, as you can tell. Yeah. Um, but okay, let's let's switch it up again to listeners that are, that are tuning in. This is obviously the first podcast. Something you're going to hear me talk about a lot with, with any anyone I bring on, especially obviously guys, is manhood. Mm-hmm. Something I'm very passionate about. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to, you know, this is a little bit of a deeper subject, but... What does manhood, how do you define manhood for yourself? What is manhood to you? To me, I mean, manhood is about being confident in who you are, not cocky, not, you know, over the top of being confident in who you are as a person, having goals and having a clear mind and step, taking steps to achieve those goals. Um, I don't think manhood really has to be more complicated than that. We both grew up with I have one sister. Or mm-hmm. I have two sisters. You have one sister. one sister. I believe, I truly believe that I'm, I'm a more well-rounded person because I have two sisters, one older, one younger, mm-hmm. who have helped me understand really how to communicate with women, number mm-hmm. one, um, but have well-rounded me as a man. Right. right. What has the impact of having someone like Katie? She's your older sister. Yeah. What's that impact on your manhood, on how you carry yourself, how you treat women, how you treat other people in general, right. your communication skills? What's the impact of having a sister? Right. What's that been? Well, I think the difference is there's a difference between a brother to a brother and being a brother to a sister, <laughs> if that makes sense. I mean, there's just a difference. There's a difference in the way you talk to each other, the way you um, you know interact with each other. And like you said, I think it just makes you more well-rounded if possible. Not to say that someone without a sister or without, you know, right. prominent women in their life, they can't, you know, obtain great manhood or no anything doubt. like that. No doubt. Um, but just, we, we are lucky that we've had, right, I, right. I believe I'm very lucky. That it's I've had it's like what we mentioned earlier. It's by having, you know, those footprints in the, in the snow, having a, having a path to, you know, you can talk to someone about certain things that maybe you wouldn't be able to talk to a brother yeah, about. No doubt. So I mean, having, having Katie though, you're, you were in trouble cause she's pretty posse. So God, she's an asshole. <laughs> I love you, Katie. <laughs> what what was uh you two seem a little competitive with yeah. each other. And oh my God. I know she's gonna listen to this, so uh-huh. here's your chance to talk without she can't take the mic. Yeah. So what's that been like? Have you guys been competitive with each other? Oh I've sensed God. it. Yeah. Everyone knows life. what it's like to have a sibling. Tell me about that. The thing is, my brother, he's the oldest, right? I, then goes my sister and then me. My want, brother, you want to list their names? Jacob. Caitlin and Luke. I don't know why I called her Katie earlier. I've never called her Katie. I call her Katie. Everyone else calls her Katie. You call I her Katie. always call her Caitlin. So that, I call her twerp. That, that, felt, <laughs> that felt weird. No, you call her bro. That's what I you call, call her bro. <laughs> I just called her bro. <laughs> so Jacob, Caitlin, then me, Luke. 
Jacob is the most like easygoing guy you oh could ever meet. He does not care about a thing. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. Like he he's so easygoing. He's so fun to be around because it's so relaxing. Me and my sister, on the other hand, I don't know if this is like a middle child, youngest child thing, but we were ne- like at each other's neck our whole lives. It was it was it was a lot of fun. We were, we're very much alike in that way. And we're that way because we are so much alike. Right. Both stubborn, both uh, very firm in what we believe in. We're very, uh, you know, we just, we like to, we like to be competitive with them. With yeah, no, it shows, man. It really shows. Obviously, I've hung out with your family. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm full disclosure, pretty close with, with everyone. I'm even close with Luke's, one of his cousins who I worked with at, at a previous firm, mm-hmm. Ashley, who is just the nicest person in the world. Yeah. You have a great family. Thanks, man. You should know that I've been I've benefited being close to your family. They're great people, mm-hmm. but no, I have just noticed when you're with, you two are around each other, it's uh, competition. I almost feel it's like a, I gotta like play referee. We're, we're playing for a trophy every single every, time. Single, every time. single time. And then she thinks your mom likes her more, but I talked to I talked to your mom, and I don't think she does. I, I, I gotta I tell think, you, I think I'm the favorite. I think so too. I think I think that's a debate for. <laughs> well, thanks. Manhood manhood is is a great topic to talk about. I think because it's something that doesn't get talked about enough. Mm-hmm. And it, I, what I always say is I, I was actually out with my girlfriend and her family mm-hmm. this past weekend. We were eating dinner with my uncle Bob and they said, it, the topic came up that I'm very comfortable complimenting guys because mm-hmm. I'm very comfortable with myself. Yeah. But I always say like two things can be true. Mm-hmm. One, I can be very kind and loving mm-hmm. and that doesn't threaten number two, right. me being a strong man. Right. right. And I think that those lines are, are that's not something that society overall and I don't like to generalize right. isn't comfortable with one thing I, I love about hanging out with you is I know that that's something that you're okay with too right yeah because I mean they don't have to be mutually exclusive you don't have to be an asshole to be a man to be tough you know? to be yeah, tough exactly like right and I think I think it's a generational thing too I think our generation's probably a lot better at it maybe no than doubt. previous generations um yeah I mean I I don't think the, I think the world would be a much worse place if men couldn't be nice people and nice to each other i mean i know we do start a lot of wars and shit like that but i mean guys can't you've got something we want go to war right right boom ours now no i mean yeah i think and i'm not saying that you should be the most sensitive person in the world no but being a man is also about caring for people having empathy um you know i think that's just as much of being a man as being strong and being firm. I think that, I think they're two sides of the same coin. I think a, a, a man is well-rounded in both of those areas. Yeah, very well said, very well said. Good, good, good. I didn't know if you were, uh, you might get a little emotional when we bring up manhood on here. <laughs> so emotional. Okay, so let's let's step Wait, no, over. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Quick, no, real you quick, got more. Real quick, what's, what's being a man to you? What's being a man to me? Whoa, that's a, on my own podcast, I you're going to ask me this question? Whew. It's a conversation. Yeah, you know, now I don't even know my answer. <clears throat> I don't know, I didn't even prep this. I would say being a man, very similar to what you said, mm-hmm. but my manhood is, is that I can, I can be my full self mm-hmm. all the time. Right. Right. That doesn't mean that you have to change. That doesn't mean you don't have to, you know, account for who's in the room, but I can always be me right. without having to think, oh, I don't want to say that because that's not how a man right. generate, you know, society's idea of a man should act. I just want to be me. I love I love Dermot Kennedy. You know mm-hmm. this, right? He put, he he sings songs that are very on the emotional, lovey dovey side. Right. And I think there's nothing wrong with like a, part of me will be in the car jamming mm-hmm. to his music about right. love and romance and maybe heartbreak. And then you might catch me the next day driving. I'm, I'm jamming to Eminem. Right. And I'm hardcore tough guy going to the gym to lift weights. Right, right. right. You might see me in the gym lifting weights with a hoodie on, bearded up, being an absolute what you'd call savage. You might see me 20 minutes later after my workout at home writing some poetry. Right. And that doesn't, that's totally okay. So just to me, manhood is discovering who I really am in its full self, right? And and, and embodying that. And and honestly, encouraging other guys to do the same, other men to be the same and and being okay with how you feel. Right. Right. And and being honest about how you feel. Those are really big in my, in my journey of, of manhood. Right. Well, I mean, part of that, like being unapologetically you and saying, I was told Anything that once too, to actually. Well, they said that. I mean, is that me. part of the motivation for you, like starting this podcast, uh, not being scared to voice whatever you want to voice about? I mean, what, what was your motivation to start this? Yeah, for me, um, there's two there's two parts to that. And one is that 
we work together. We work in a very, a very, we work at a nice firm. Mm -hmm. We have good, good jobs, good careers. But I was actually out with my mom a few weeks ago and we're randomly sitting there and I look up at her. I take my mom out to lunch, uh, to, to dinner every Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So anyone listening, if you don't take your mom out and you live near, you need to start because it's honestly the best. Mm -hmm. No, seriously, like life goes by quick right. and it, you can go to lunch. It takes, you know, an hour. My mom and I get in the car. We're back in an hour. But anyways, going back to the story, we're sitting there, we're talking and I just told my mom straight up. I looked her dead in the eye and said, I am not living up to my full potential. Mm -hmm. And she said, what the hell are you talking about? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is everything okay? <laughs> yeah. And I said, she goes, Adam, you wake up every day early in the morning, you lift weights, you have a good job, mm -hmm. you have your education, you did your time in the military, right? You have a great girlfriend. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? You take care of your responsibilities. Right. What do you mean you're not living up to your full potential? And I said, and it's because I had just listened to something from Gary Vee. I said, I'm not leaning into my strengths. Right. And what was the point of giving a gift of liking to talk to people, enjoying connecting with people if you don't expand on it and you work at it and love what you're doing, mm -hmm. right? And so I told her I was sorry because honestly, if you're not living up to your full potential, you should apologize to the people that really believe in you. And my mom's always believed in mm -hmm. me. And so actually that same night, I jumped on my buddy Sob's podcast, right? Yeah. And I realized I was so excited to do it, had a great time. And then I thought, I, why don't I start my own? Right. And I give, I bring a guest on like mm -hmm. you and, and give you a platform to talk about what's important to you. Right. And really showcase my ability to have a conversation, right? right? And will I be great at it at first? No. Was I good at lifting weights the first time I did it? No, I wasn't. I was 130 pounds, right? And I worked at it and worked <laughs> at it in bodybuilding and, you know, stuck with it. Right. So I can do that with this podcast as well, right? So that's one part of it. The other part of it is um, there's this awesome quote. There's amazing. This is an amazing book by Ann Rand. If you've read it, if you're listening, you might have heard this quote. You might know who she is. You might not. She wrote a book called The Fountainhead. Okay quick talk about the fountainhead. If you didn't read the book, I'll catch you up. There's this, it's about um, an architect and he's, he's in, he's in school getting his master's degree or, you know, getting his education to become right. an architect at this time period. Everyone builds a very boring looking buildings to mm -hmm. him. Right. And he's designing in school. He's designing all these amazing, beautiful skyscrapers, innovative things. No one's ever seen before. Right. Right. Pushing the limits. And he's getting in trouble. They're going to expel him from college because he's not following the rules. He's not fitting in, right? Mm -hmm. And he stands outside, right? And this is what he says. I'm going to read this quote to you. And it, it hits deep. To me, it's very important. And mm -hmm. it's another reason why I'm like, I have to do something with my passion. Mm -hmm. So he's he's sitting outside and, and, and someone's looking at him. And this is what he says to them. Someone that doesn't understand why he feels the need to build these buildings. Why do you feel the need to do a podcast, right? He says, but you see... I have, let's say, 60 years to live. Most of that time will be spent working. I've chosen, um, I've chosen the work that I want to do. If I find no joy in it, then I'm only condemning myself to 60 years of torture. Mm -hmm. And I can find joy only if I do my work in the best way possible to me. Mm -hmm. But the best is a matter of standards. And I set my own standards. I inherit nothing. I stand at the end of no tradition. I may perhaps stand at the beginning of one. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think that hits, hits the nail on the head, oh, yeah. right? That's he's not, he's not, he's not looking around saying, Oh, I, I'm just going <clears> to <throat> fit in and do what everyone else is doing. No, I know I'm going to work for 60 years. Right. If I don't do something I love, it's not going to be great. Torture. It's going to be torture. Yeah. Right. So I set my own standards. I inherit nothing. I stand at the end of no tradition. Right. I stand at the beginning of one. I'm going to create my own, my own, future. What does that look like? I don't know, but I'm, I know I'm going to do something that I'm leaning into my strengths right? and that I'm enjoying it. So that's why I started the podcast. One, I was looking at my mom and said, man, I'm not, I'm not filling, fulfilling my full potential. I feel bad because my mom believes in me more than anyone. Right. Apologize to her. Enjoyed being on my buddy's podcast. And you know, this quote, I've been carrying this around for a long time right. and it just kind of all clicked. That's so awesome, here we are, man. Strong motivation We're, to do anything that will make you just even a little bit more successful. Yeah, exactly, man. And the, it's fun. I mean, Anytime, you know how it is. Anytime you start something new, I'm sure you've started something new. Speaking of something new, after college, right? Transition over to bodybuilding, mm -hmm. right? You started lifting some weights. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it that, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's okay. You said you're a casual football fan. You're not. You're an expert in football. If you yeah. want to consider yourself a casual, casual. bodybuilder. I'm a casual. It's okay I'm with me. Casual. But but I think it's very impressive and it should be noted that you weren't really lifting a ton or training a ton in college. Mm -hmm. Right when you graduated, you started waking up every morning coming with me to the gym mm -hmm. and you don't miss a day. I mean, he misses leg day every once in a while, 
or he's he's I miss the tired. Or, <laughs> I give you the weekends yeah, off, but yeah. but you know you're very consistent, and I appreciate it. So we're going to transition to a segment that I've titled as "Shoe First," mm-hmm. and what I want you to do is uh, I'm going to give you a bodybuilding exercise. Okay. 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 You can close your eyes if you'd like. You got the camera on you, so no one's going to see you got your hat down, anyways. Mm-hmm. And I want you to give me the first word that pops into your head. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? As ready as I can be. All right, guys. Sweet. Incline dumbbell chest press. Oh, shoulder. Because <laughs> it, it hurts my shoulder. <laughs> awesome. T bar row. Tiring. <laughs> Overhead rope triceps extension. Butter. Butter. That shit is smooth. <laughs> Today we were hitting, we were hitting pushing. Luke was, I said, all right, man, we're done with the chest portion. We're going to triceps. He said, oh, thank God. <laughs> okay, you ready? Uh-huh. Barbell squat. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, walking lunges. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch. That's what that is. I have seen Luke almost pass out many times. Was, During um, a bodybuilding yeah. session. Dude, I'm surprised you didn't throw in uh, Bulgarian, Bulgarian split squats. Dude, lunges are lunges and Bulgarians are so bad. I actually went back and forth. And so and so I, I didn't want to torture you with three straight legs at the end of this segment. Oh, so I mean, it's good. Like, I know I know it's important. Yes. I, I, I genuinely sometimes enjoy it. Just sometimes it really, really sucks. One thing I will say, I'll tell a quick story about Luke. The first time Luke ever did lower body training with me, mm-hmm. <laughs> he literally, this is a true story. We're training, training mainly quads. We're doing close feet squats. <laughs> Luke t- says to me, he looks at me, I, and he looks pretty nauseous. And he says, hey, man, I'm going to go upstairs and go to the bathroom. I'm like, all right. So finish my last set, rack the bar, go over to leg extensions. Luke walks back downstairs. Does a one does one set on the leg extension. I take my headphones out. I'm like, everything okay? And he said, Yeah, I just went upstairs. I puked, <laughs> but I'm feeling better. True story. So I this did. man is a soldier because that's something I told him. I he should have just went straight home. But well, the thing is, I mean, I work out fasted, right? I, well, I've learned. You do. I've yeah. learned that that especially early in the morning, get there at like five forty-five to six. I got I can't eat, but at the beginning. You know, I did what I thought I was supposed to do. I was eating before, and, did, yeah. and it just it did not work out, especially not on leg day. First leg day, and I don't know how long. There has to be time in between. If you're gonna, if it's legs, something light. Right. You know, I mean, you know my secret, my okay. my secret. What I do, I do a bagel and Nutella mm-hmm. every morning. It's sweet. It's it goes down easy. Mm-hmm. It's not too heavy. Where when I'm in the middle of training, there's about an hour in between. Right. But yeah, no, no, I totally understand. Okay, next segment. Mm-hmm. We're gonna switch over a little bit. Okay. This past segment was bodybuilding. We're gonna we're gonna do a segment on uh, next year in the NFL. It's all NFL related topics. Fact or fiction? I'm gonna Ooh. give you a scenario. Okay. You're gonna say you're gonna. I want you to look into the camera wherever that may be. Okay. And tell them fact or fiction based off what I say. Okay. Okay. Number one, Brady comes out of retirement. Fact or fiction? Fiction. Okay. Lamar Jackson plays for the Ravens. The Chicago Bears make the playoffs. Fact. Fact. Wow. He's, he's okay. Wild card. When I wrote this, I think more news hadn't come out, but we'll go with it. We'll see what you say. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers plays for Green Bay. Fiction. Fiction. Wow. Okay. This is the most important one. You're tired of him, man. This is the most important one. I want everyone to listen. Okay. I'm listening. Mo Shebang repeats as fantasy football champion in our league. So much Fiction, the Mickey Mouse winner of our fantasy league. They didn't want to see a newcomer, a.k.a. me, win the league. They had to bend the rules. Oh, man. I'm the commissioner of our league. Luke, he caught a tough break where he was involved in the uh, DeMar Hamlin game. He had two players go, and we couldn't really figure out a way to, to solve it. We ended up finding a way. Mo took the championship. Mm-hmm. It was tough. It was tough on Luke. You need to air that out. That was tough. I thought I thought I uh, was emotionally past it, but you know, reopening old wounds. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to another segment. We only got a little bit a little bit more time here, so for the audience, you should you're not if you don't know already. If you know me, you know this. But you're gonna find out through mm-hmm. these episodes. I love movies, but I yes. I super 
love Batman. Yes. You're a Batman fan. Huge Batman fan. So, okay, this next, this next segment, quick and easy. I want you to list the top three scenes from Christopher Nolan's trilogy of okay. the Batman. So you've got Batman Begins, okay. The Dark Knight, and you've got Dark Knight Rises. I don't, you don't have to pick one from each. You can pick the top three mm-hmm. scenes. What are they? That stood out from that series. That's one of the best question, series man. of all time. Great series. If you haven't watched them, even if you don't like, you know, superheroes or Batman or anything, just a great watch. You need to watch great The Dark Knight. If you yeah. haven't seen The Dark Knight, great movie. Great movie. And I love, I love all sorts of movies. I love superhero movies, but I also, I, I'm just a avid movie watcher in general. But top three. So first off, honorable mention. Batman Begins, the training scene on the ice. You know, great, great, great scene. Great scene. Number three is the bank heist in the Dark Knight. The intro, you get your first look at the Joker, Heath That's Ledger. Amazing. Everyone thought Heath Ledger was a miscast. They didn't think he would fit the role well at all. And I think you watch the first 10 minutes of the movie and you realize, holy shit, this is what ended up being an Oscar-worthy performance. Yeah. And uh, that scene always stuck, stands out to me. Number two is... The uh, scene from The Dark Knight Rises where Batman fights Bane in the sewer underneath, you know, Wayne Enterprises and all that. They didn't have any audio. You could hear the whole fight. Right, right. No music, no no audio or anything like that. It grounded that. Just them two fighting. That was beautiful. Very, very real. I mean, some of it's hard to watch. It's actually really hard to watch. You love Batman. I mean, I was a kid watching it. That's my favorite my guy you know he's getting beat up and his ass whooped. so i mean it was it was but i thought it was also cool to see him in that stage of his career where he didn't have it in him right and and bane says you fight like a young man right right yeah nothing and, held back but nothing held yeah, back yeah, yeah, yeah. right but and that starts the whole you know second arc of the movie you know yeah, it that, does yeah so plus it, it's also great because it ties to the comics where batman does get his back broken mm-hmm. by bane so you know We'll give a little ties to, ties uh, to that a little bit. Yeah, hat hat nod, uh, head nod to uh, to uh, not Christopher Nolan. He yeah, did a good job yeah, with that. Yeah. And then number one, I think by far it's not even a debate, is the interrogation scene from The oh, Dark Knight in in the prison cell. Yeah. That scene is so good. I don't even like. It's hard to describe how good it is. The pacing of it, the dialogue between the two characters, how they interact with each other. Just so well written and well directed by Christopher Nolan. I mean, it, it's one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever. What's awesome about the fact that that's your one, that's your number one, and, and you and it stood out to you, is that that scene. I don't know if you know that was the first scene they shot of the entire movie. Wow. I so didn't what know that. I believe so. I've, I mean, I've done a lot of research, and they actually ended up having like two extra weeks to shoot that. Yeah. So that's how it turned out. Wow. So now you've talked about your favorite scenes from Bat from Batman. Yeah, now I yeah. want to ask you a question. And okay. I don't know if you've ever been asked this. This is a total Joker related question. Okay. We've got two questions left on the podcast, okay? okay? What is your take on the Joker's backstory in that in that movie? Mm-hmm. Do you think that there was enough information that we could figure out where he came like what his origin is? Because that was the that was kind of the nice part about it is that he didn't have an origin. But right. does he give us enough information from your take? Have you ever thought about it? And do you know? I've and thought you, about it. And I've seen, an answer. I've seen theories and stuff. No, because I think he inten- it's intentional that there is nothing to go off of. I think that's the whole concept of him as a person. He, he has no background, came from nothing. You don't know what his story is before this. He's just a guy willing to do all this stuff right. to achieve what, you know, what his goal or like even lack of a goal is he just he wants chaos to yeah have, he wants to know. prove his point really he's just trying to prove points right. about that about how society runs yeah. and how, how it's really there's not a whole lot of difference between myself and someone that's in prison mm-hmm. other than one one thing goes wrong right, right? you're only a few one two decisions away from right. one bad there's day actually there, there's actually a really great comic on mm-hmm. like one one bad day right yeah. yeah with the joker so um no, I think uh, people people look for patterns and everything, and people try to pick out. Oh, like what's that mean? What 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 does this line of dialogue mean? What's right. what's that what's that scene mean? I, I there's nothing there. I don't think there's anything there. And people can think about it all they want, but there's nothing there to his backstory. Nothing there. I will say on that quick point is that there's enough there for me that it seems like he could be a former military member mm-hmm. suffering from PTSD. Mm-hmm. Because every time he says to someone, do you know how I got these scars? Right. He tells them a different story. Right. Right. In the interrogation scene, right, 
before he gets interrogated, they have him in, in you know, in, in uh, behind locked bars. They say they have no traces on him, no anything, nothing, no aliases, no fingerprints, mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. If you were a deep, deep military agent, right? right? In some, in some, you wouldn't, they would be able to erase all that. So he right. wouldn't be in any database, yeah. right? When he's in the interrogation room with the Batman, right. it's supposed to be the Batman interrogating the Joker. Mm-hmm. But what does the Joker do? Flips and there's a key, head. there's a key line. Batman punches him. Mm-hmm. And the first thing the Joker says is, or he pushes his head against yeah, the table. He yeah. says, you should never first um, start with the head. Start with the head. The victim makes the victim all fuzzy yeah, yeah. as if he's had experience doing it before. Right. They ask him, you know, what, you know, what do you care about when he falls off the money? He tells, he actually tells the guy, you know what I like? I like mm-hmm. gasoline and bullets and mm-hmm. they're cheap. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a military thing. When he's talking to Harvey Dent in the, in the hospital, he says he gives a few examples of what what could go wrong and how people would react. Right. He, and he, one of the one of them that he says is, if I tell you a boatload of soldiers get blown up tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, everyone everyone's okay because it's a part yeah. of the plan. Yeah. He references that specifically. Yeah. So did he suffer from some type of PTSD and go nuts? That's the only thing that I could think of. That but is one, a but yeah, go ahead. perfectly reasonable theory. It's well thought I, out. I, I th- use the internet to get it, but I've I, thought about it. I too. think Christopher Nolan probably threw a lot of different things that like people could piece together as like for different theories. I think he did that intentionally Absolutely, because I think he's supposed to be ambiguous. One more thing on the Joker. Do you think he knew who Batman was in the movie? Do you think his character knew? No, I don't think he cared. You don't think he cared? No. Yeah. A lot of people think that. Yeah. I think when he's at, I think he's very smart and I think he put together how Batman showed up at Bruce Wayne's penthouse. And at the end of the movie, he says a very key line to him. Mm -hmm. He says, you know, he's hanging and dangling after Batman caught him. And he said um, about Harvey, how he cha- he turned Harvey into the bad side mm-hmm. or showed him his true colors. He said, remember, no, he doesn't say remember. He says, See, um, as you know, mm-hmm. gravity, madness is like gravity. Yeah. All it needs is a push. Uh-huh. But he said it very direct. He right. said, as you know. Mm-hmm. And how would he know anything about Batman? Right. right? And yeah. so I, I, think he sure. ca- I think he could have pieced those two together. And he also, in the interrogation scene, he knew that Batman loved Rachel. Right. And it wouldn't be hard to put that together. Right. Bruce Wayne, they grew up together. As you know, he knows about his parents. Right. But he wouldn't want anyone to know. He even defends Batman's right. identity in the movie. He doesn't want anyone to know. It's a good point. I don't know. I mean, one thing I did learn, I took a uh, film class at Rock Valley, and the professor said, there's nothing in a movie that's unintentional. Yeah, Everything exactly. is there for a reason. Every exactly. piece of dialogue, every set piece, every small thing in the background is there for a reason. And that's with any movie. So. Absolutely. Last question. I'm going to let you go and we'll, we'll close out. But first of all, everyone, again, I'm here with Luke Hendrickson. We've been getting into NFL. We've been getting into his personal life, his professional life, manhood, why he likes to skip leg day. <laughs> and I'm here with Adam Hawkins. <laughs> yeah. We're happy to have you here. Last question. And it's going to be about Batman. Okay. Is Bale your two-part question? Is Bale your favorite Batman of all time? Is he the best Batman of all time to you right now? Favorite, yes, because I grew up with him. Yeah. Will he go down as the best? I don't think so. Do you think Pattinson has a chance to surpass him? Yeah. Based off that first I do. movie, I do. You do. I do. I think if he gets a full three movies or however movies they want to make, I think it definitely he has definitely has the potential to. I think Robert Pattinson in general. I think he's a very underrated actor. I mean, now I think he's getting recognition, but I think he's a fantastic actor. Not that Christian actor. Bale, Christian Bale's one of the best is, actors of is, all time. Right, um, I just think it's a new take. It's different. I like how uh, it's grounded, but not in the sense of, you know, Nolan's movies were grounded, like, as realistic as possible. Right. But this is grounded, like, in a different way. It um, kind of shows you the obscurity of this whole concept, someone dressed up in a, in a bat costume, but also, like, runs with that. It so. runs with it, yeah. No, I doubt. I, I think... Two people that we've talked about, two actors, uh, Robert Pattinson and Heath Ledger. When they both were first cast in the role, they were laughed at. Right. You can go back yeah. and look. And then I think the first time you saw Heath Ledger, you thought, holy fuck. Right. Never seen anything like this. This is going to work. The first time I saw the trailer to the Batman, when mm-hmm. he beats the crap out of that dude mm-hmm. and says, I'm vengeance, mm-hmm. the first thing I thought was, holy crap, right. this is going to work. Two guys that... Even though they're very successful, we're still we're still doubted. So if you're being doubted Heath in Ledger anything, was a it's okay. Actor. He was <laughs> yeah, most right. known for what is it? Ten things I hate about you or something. That was an amazing movie. Yeah. Amazing so. movie. Great scenes. Do you know the scene where he sings on the microphone at the stadium? You seen I've the movie? Ne- I've never seen the movie. All right, I'm not going to disclose it, but amazing scene. All right. Okay. Man. Well, <laughs> thank you so much, man. You came on the first episode. We really appreciate having you on. 
to all my listeners, this will be posted on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Music. Mm-hmm. So we appreciate everyone listening. But before I go, I just want to say one thing to Luke. You know, I got a mad respect for you. I think you're a young up-and-comer. I'm excited to see where your future goes. I'm excited to have you on again sometime. Yes, sir. And just keep doing what you're doing, man. I'm super proud of you. You know I love you. And appreciate again, it, wouldn't, wouldn't have wanted to share this with anyone else this first time on my oh. podcast. You're the first plus one. Adam's plus one, 1. 1.01, <laughs> you know, episode one. You're the man, it. dude. I love it, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Yep, you bet, dude. We'll see you again next time. Yes, sir. Thank you. Peace.